my dear friends, how are you doing today? Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to BQ&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. This is Pastor Ricardo, minister to the Prospect International and Elizabeth Seventh-day Adventist Churches, right here in Adelaide. And I am thankful that God allows us to share His Word with you today. Whether you're at home or in the car driving back from work, I do pray that you'll be blessed by today's show. And this week, we're following the theme, Perverse People. Big questions about biblical characters. And the big question for today is King Solomon. Does his example justify polygamy? It's amazing that we find in the Bible all sorts of examples, good and bad. It doesn't mean that we need to follow all the bad examples, but we certainly need to follow the good ones and learn from the bad ones. So to help us with this question, we have Pastor Gary with us in the studio. The big question again is, King Solomon, does his example justify polygamy? Pastor Gary will help us answer that question. He is the pastor of Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church and the husband of one wife. Welcome, Gary. How are yeah, you today? Yeah, really good, really good. It's fantastic to be in the in the studio with you today, Ricardo. Uh, do you know, outside today, uh, isn't this the most glorious spring day that you could want anywhere? Exactly right. I would love to see the, the leaf changing colors uh, when it comes to autumn and then all the seasons that I, I, I come, I come from Queensland. Yeah, so we yeah. didn't see that the change of seasons as I see them here, yeah. which is beautiful. Yeah. No, this is, this is something that I really appreciate this time of the year in Adelaide. In fact, uh, the, uh, the four or five months around, uh, around the springtime and the four or five months around, uh, the, uh, autumn time is absolutely magic. You get this, uh, these short bursts of really uh, yes. hot, hot weather in summer and in cold and fairly cool in winter as well, uh, but uh, the Mediterranean climate is such an amazing blessing. That's really good. So enjoy the good weather while you can, dear listeners. Um, today, I, I read an article, very interesting one. You know, um, Pastor Gary, the Bible talks about only two groups when Jesus comes again. Yeah. It doesn't talk about many different options, many different religions yeah. doing their own thing. It just talks about two big groups. And they are symbolized by the sheep and the goat or those who receive the seal of God and as opposed to that, the mark of the beast. So you only see two groups. And, and, and these groups are not just Christians mm. who are here mm. included. It, it talk, it's, it's talking about all peoples, religious and non-religious people. Um, and all will unite, not necessarily in name, but certainly in one purpose. And, you know, against God or in favor of Him. Uh-huh. And I've always asked myself, how will this happen? Because we know this will happen, but how uh-huh. will this happen? Uh-huh. And, and I came across this article that I think explains at least one of the different factors that will contribute to, um, to this being a reality. And the article is from uh, World Religion News, published three days ago. The title is A Retired Hollywood Executive's Mission to Promote Religious Literacy on the Big Screen Promises to Change How Film Professionals Approach Spiritual Themes. 
And the article says, Widely considered the hub of global entertainment, Hollywood exerts a powerful influence on people's worldviews by helping shape their cultural norms, values, and beliefs through efforts to expand equitable um, standards in such aspects of filmmaking as uh, casting, character development, and storytelling. After decades of promoting a monocultural view of American life, Hollywood has lately begun this, uh, focusing on what El, El País, a prominent Spanish language newspaper, described in an, in an October 30 article, um, as the only facet left to come out of the industry's closet of religion. Um, it says to increase awareness about the portrayal of religion, advocate for religious diversity, and encourage a more compassionate depiction of spirituality in the media, a retired Hollywood studio executive has introduced Deeper Dive, a course designed for screenwriters, content creators, and media industry experts. Developed in collaboration with Harvard Divinity School, Deeper Dive is the brainchild of Mario Kader Fritsch, um, a 2018 to 2022 fellow at the institution who is currently pursuing a master's degree there in religion of uh, public life. Kader Fredge previously worked for two decades as senior vice president of social responsibility at Viacom CBS, a media and entertainment giant that was renamed Paramount Global in 2022. Using television programming, Special events and digital content, he launched more than 60 initiatives at Viacom that tackled urgent social issues, including HIV, AIDS, human trafficking, bullying, teen uh, pregnancy, as well as gender and racial equality. Um, Kader Fredge told El Pais the following. He said, when I reached my uh, retirement age, I realized that we had never touched on the topic of religion. He explained that there is an unspoken agreement in the U.S. media to maintain a secular approach. However, he added, that does not respond to reality because spiritual ideology permeates everything. The media and entertainment industry wields immense influence over how people across the globe perceive religion, says the Deeper Dive website adding that the industry impacts how we treat others, how we think about our own moral systems, how we vote, how we think about um, other facets of identity, including race, gender, and sexuality. The Deeper Dive Project's aim is to give more cinematic exposure to and promote interreligious dialogue among a, a greater number of the world's religions um, than are depicted in the cultural narratives of most films. In Hollywood, we continue to reflect models from 50 years ago, the same priest, rabbi, or unfortunately, the bad Muslim terrorist, Kader French, uh, French said. And then he, he, he said this that I found really interesting. He said, our, go- our goal, he added, is that in 30 years, you will ask a young person what a Christian, a Muslim, or a Jew is like, and there and there will be no very specific definitions. Uh, 
In other words, um, what I find in this article is that uh, the aim is that in 30 years' time, people will be so confused that every everything will be so relative that all religions will be just it's just the same, just an option, no more differences. And I think this will make it a lot easier for them to unite if they have something in common yeah, yeah, to fight yeah. for. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Have you um, have you ever considered that question? How will this happen? How will the, the world will yeah. be divided? Look, just look Ricardo, I think this is probably one of the really big questions that those of us who are involved in, uh, in Christianity and religion generally do need to consider and come to an understanding of. Uh, you know, Ricardo, a number of years ago, uh, there was a, um, a very big conference held over in Melbourne. It was called the Parliament of World Religions. And uh, at that particular time, uh, I actually enrolled myself it went for a solid week in in Melbourne, and I went to each of their uh, each of their meetings. Now I went uh, not because I agreed with uh, uh, with the uh, coming together of world religions, which was the undergirding mm-hmm. uh, belief here, but because I myself am actually a um, I've been a teacher of biblical prophecy for many years, right. and I actually saw in that meeting some incredible um, fulfilment mm-hmm. of Bible prophecy and. I actually wanted uh, to, uh, to to pick up some stories uh, that I could share, and you know, it certainly gave me more stories than I could possibly count. You know, every, every time these days, I certainly uh, have the privilege of teaching Bible prophecy. I can actually reflect on uh, that uh, that particular meeting. But do you know the thing that really stood out to me at the Parliament of World Religion when it was held in Melbourne, and this is probably a, a dozen years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, just the way um, world religions were being encouraged to come together mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not just talking about uh, about Christian religions here I'm talking about uh, you know I mean you're talking you're talking Islam you're talking Christianity you're talking Buddhism you're talking you know the Con- Confucian uh, you're talking uh, uh, you know Hinduism just all um, all coming together on points that they can agree on now it's mm-hmm. really significant the points they can actually agree on because the points tend to be things like the environment yes and social justice mm-hmm. they're the two things but the certainly the uh, the issues that religion would normally talk about nobody is talking about and of course religion right. will normally deal with three really big questions mm-hmm. uh, and those three really big questions are of course uh, how did i get here mm-hmm. uh, where am i going and what on earth Am I actually going to do while I'm actually here? Mm-hmm. Uh, religion will tend to deal with those big questions, but none of those questions are actually being dealt with anymore. Uh, those questions have gone silently into the background. Now, um, you're, I'm really interested that you actually pick up that particular article because more and more, I suppose, I am conscious that mm-hmm. this is something that is being pushed uh, not just through the media, but right through the uh, religious world Generally, yes. now the, the 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 issue to me that I believe we do need to ask is: Is this a biblical understanding? Does God uh, want us to come together 
in the way in which uh, this is actually being being pushed. Now, um, you know, uh, often when uh, when this subject is discussed, what you find is that people will come to um, passages like uh, Christ's uh, prayer for his disciples. That's the most common one. Mm-hmm. Uh, or alternatively, you get First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. You know, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities mm-hmm. of ministries, but the same God. You know, we are all diverse, mm-hmm. but, you know, it all comes from the same God. Let's praise the Lord. Let's move on mm-hmm. uh, together. Now, is there a, you know, is there a problem with this? Well, I actually suggest there's a huge problem mm-hmm. uh, with this whole, uh, whole understanding. Uh, you know, if I actually go uh, to the, certainly to the New Testament church, what I find is that um, uh, the apostles were abundantly, uh, abundantly clear. Now, uh, you know, you take uh, Acts chapter 4, for example. You've got uh, Peter and John. They've just been arrested uh, mm-hmm. in the temple. They've been thrown into uh, uh, into the local lockup. Uh, they're brought before the council the next uh, the next day, and they're called to uh, share uh, for their faith. And uh, what do they uh, what do they actually say? Uh, they're talking to their to their judges, um, mm-hmm. and they say this. Uh, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. That's now, very exclusive. It, it's incredibly <laughs> exclusive. The, the, mm. These guys have grown up as Jews. Yes. They have accepted Jesus Christ, and the very moment that they've accepted Jesus Christ, they've mm. been prepared to say, there is no other name given amongst heaven by which we must be saved. And uh, our world, clear. our world today would turn around and say, hey, this is abominably exclusive. And yet what a lot of even Christians don't realize is that the reason the great missionary movements of the Christian, of the Christian church actually started was because they believed that salvation was through Jesus Christ and we had to bring people to the, an understanding of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I think of the Apostle Paul. Uh, he, he was talking about the gospel on one occasion and he, he actually said to his, uh, uh, to, to those, I think it's the book of Galatians, and he talks about, uh, uh, if even an angel of he- from heaven preaches some other gospel mm. to what, uh, I have presented to you, let him be accursed. Uh, now, you know, hey, you know, is there, how do we deal with this issue of diversity in the Christian church? Well, I've actually suggested quite a, quite a few people that um, diversity in the Christian church is actually taught as far as spiritual giftedness is concerned. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there is a huge wall that is put up, mm-hmm. uh, and that wall uh, says that uh, it is it is only in the area of sharing the gospel that there is no other name given amongst mm-hmm. heaven. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, is it possible for, you know, those many um, non-Christian religions that believe in a polytheism, many gods, mm-hmm. uh, to come and pray with uh, the the Christian who, who believes in one God? You know, who exactly is being prayed to? Exactly. Now, uh, so... Christianity, that the way of salvation may seem exclusive, and, and it is, but it's also inclusive because everyone is invited. And that's exactly right. right. You know, it's exclusive. Um, it is seen by the contemporary world 
as being exclusive, mm-hmm. but in reality, it's the most inclusive mm. uh, religion yes. that you can possibly imagine because all are invited mm. to come to Jesus Christ. And to mm. me, I think that's a really beautiful point that we must not mm. uh, overlook. Uh, but do you know, uh, do we have major, are there major problems with what you've suggested in, in that article on the media today? Mm. I believe that there are huge mm-hmm. issues today, uh, that, um, just ably demonstrate, uh, that, uh, um, that there are, there are many being, dare I say it, deceived. Yes, on this course. particular matter. And what it does to the truth is that it makes it look as uh, something very relative. Exactly. You, you exactly. can choose whatever you want to believe. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why it would be much easier for prophecy to be fulfilled and, and the world be united in two groups. Exactly. Or divided in exactly. two groups, I should have said. That's right. Yes. yes. Mm. Interesting. Thanks for your input, Pastor Gary. And dear listeners, let's uh, um, listen to a song called Together by Matt and Josh C. Minicus. You didn't promise me a mansion You didn't promise me a home Told me we were pilgrims here So we'd have to roam You didn't promise it'd be easy Told me life was going to change You promised me adventure That you would keep me safe So we set out together On this uncharted road Eyes and hearts wide open Watch our story unfold And there's been times of laughter Times of agony and pain But baby let me tell you this There's nothing that I'd change Cause we're So here's some memories gone by And one still up ahead Here's to our commitment Keeping the vows we've pledged Here's to the adventure Of God and you and I Wouldn't trade it for a single thing Let me tell you why Cause we're Sweet, we're growing together. 
Josie Minicus with the song Together. Dear listeners, we would love to hear from you. Um, there is a number that you can text us. The number is 04888-80811. If you had any comments, any questions, any prayer requests, please don't hesitate to text that number. And today's giveaway, um, and actually for the whole week, is the book called have you ever been lost by Chris Holland? Have you ever been lost? And uh, dear friends, I have been lost at night in the middle of Fraser Island and I can tell you it's not a nice feeling. Um, but um, maybe you've faced a crossroad in life with no idea which way to go. Possibly you've taken the wrong turn and nothing looks familiar. It's inevitable. Your anxiety level increases dramatically when you know that you're lost. Maybe thinking about being physically lost has you thinking about other emotions that come with it, the overall uncertainty of what to do, or that unsettled feeling of wandering alone in the wilderness. In the Bible, we find hope for the wanderer, hope for the restless soul who's looking for something more. There is assurance here in the world of so much uncertainty. In this book, we will look at Luke 15 and see that we do not need to feel lost. We can be found and live a life of assurance. Have you ever been lost? By Chris Holland, speaker, director at It Is Written Canada. is the perfect gift for that friend facing a big change in life or that family member facing a personal crisis. If you would like a free copy of this book, all you need to do is text in the code SA143. Again, remember, no spaces, just SA for South Australia, SA143 um, on 04888-80811. A friendly robot will answer that text and you will have a free copy of this um, very interesting book. Please don't forget, you can also text that number with your questions 
or comments at any time. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A right across Australia with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor Gary. He is the pastor of Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Adelaide. This week we are following the theme, Perverse People, Big Questions About Biblical Characters. And the big question for today is, King Solomon, does his example justify polygamy? It's interesting that we can learn good things about bad things that happened in the Bible. So, Pastor Gary, according to the Bible, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Was God okay with this? Yeah, look, <laughs> Ricardo, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but uh, to me, he's a, he's certainly a braver man than <laughs> than most. I, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't say that, but uh, uh, you know, uh, this is this is one of the really big questions that certainly has has come to me in numerous uh, times. It often comes from someone that's um, wanting to uh, find an excuse for a biblical infidelity. Uh, do you know? Yes. Yesterday, we actually talked about. Um, uh, David and uh, people will will actually uh, have actually said to me, "Look, uh, Pastor, you know, I mean, King David, he was called a man after God's own heart, but he was a murderer and an adulterer." And of course, we dealt with that question uh, just yesterday. Uh, but of course, uh, here we've got uh, King Solomon, and uh, uh, as you've just mentioned, you know, King Solomon, he he was a unique character, uh, you know, and so as a result, and we're going to look at who King Solomon was. In, in just a moment, but you know this—the relevance of this question, I believe, is just so is so key uh, to to our understanding. Uh, you know, someone wanting to find an excuse for you know maybe some form of sexual infidelity, mm-hmm. perhaps a young person who's who's finding a reason to uh, wanting to find a reason to abandon them, biblical relationship norms. You know, mm-hmm. even King Solomon. This is mm-hmm. what King Solomon did. Solomon. You know, the wise man. This is what he did. Uh, but look, the reality is, is that that shows a, to, to me a real paucity of, um, of biblical understanding. You know, I mean, we don't really get the whole story at that point. Now, who, who was King, King Solomon? Well, of course, we know that, uh, that King Solomon was the, uh, was the, well, he was the third king of, uh, of Israel, but he was the son of King David. Now, of course, everyone knows, I think, that heard the story of King David, you know, I mean, they've got uh, uh, David and Goliath. Uh, you've got uh, David becoming king of Israel. The kingdom is uh, is really united under under King David. He's regarded as a man after a God's own heart. Um, and then ultimately he he passes away. And uh, he he on his deathbed he he gives his uh, uh, his kingdom to to Solomon. And Solomon in many ways commences. So well, you know. I mean, you actually get this story in uh, in Kings where um, God appears to uh, uh, King Solomon in a dream. Mm. Ask what what is it that God says in a dream to Solomon? What, what would you actually like? And uh, God was really pleased with his answer yeah, because his very answer humble. very in a very humble way. He said, "Please give me wisdom to be able to rule your people." Well, 
And uh, God's, res- God's re- simple response to him then, of course, was, hey, because you have asked, uh, not for the death of your enemies or not for incredible wealth, mm-hmm. you're going to get those as well, uh, but you're going to be given more wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, and Solomon, of course, became known uh, for his yes. wisdom. You know, you, uh, we read stories and there's been Hollywood films made of the Queen of Sheba mm-hmm. uh, coming to uh, King Solomon just to check out his mm-hmm. wisdom. Can it? Can half of what I have been it's told true. actually be true? Yes. And of course, what was her statement? Uh, she hadn't seen any anyone like this before. No one like like mm. this. It just it, it was mm. just it's it staggered her yeah. imagination. And I'm sure know. because of her position, she would have seen a lot of different kings and leaders and exactly exactly mm. and of course uh, solomon was the man who who built the first temple on mount moriah uh you know this is a glorious gold covered uh, covered temple uh it's recorded in the scriptures that he made silver and gold so abundant in jerusalem that silver wasn't even counted <laughs> because it wasn't regarded as valuable enough wow. Uh, you know, you sort of say, hey, you know, I mean, this man is, uh, is certainly doing well. Uh, but, you know, the thing that a lot of people don't actually realize is that a change occurred in the life of King Solomon, a man who started so in such a dedicated manner. Something happens. Now, this is so true. You know, I'm, I'm conscious that there are so many families that, you know, they're their children perhaps have uh, have um, you know have, have grown up. They've, they've accepted Christ as a young person. They've gone off possibly to uh, to university, and uh, suddenly there's been a big change that's actually mm. taken taken place. And you know the change is actually described in First Kings chapter chapter eleven. And this is what uh, 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 this is how it's described. First uh, Kings uh, chapter eleven. Mm-hmm. That's verse one. But King Solomon, I love that word, but, you know, but, uh-huh. you know, this is, this is a change that's happening. Now notice yes. what the change is. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, uh, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Amorites, Edomites, Sidonianites, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, uh, nor they with you. Surely they'll turn away your hearts after their gods. As Solomon clung uh, to these in love, and he had 700 wives, and that was the number that you quoted, princesses and 300 concubines. And uh, so when Solomon was old, uh, that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was his heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidians, and Malcolm, the uh, abomination of the Amorites. Uh, do you know, this is uh, the, these gods, these are horrendous gods. I mean, these are gods that accept human sacrifice. It's sad because then it says that Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, someone who started so well. What is it that's actually going uh, going on? You know, I mean, this is something that uh, you, you you look at and you say a, a guy has started well, and then all the king of Israel. But look, Ricardo, let me ask you a question before we actually move on. Um, why do you think? Um, uh, I mean, why does God allow stories of biblical heroes? I suppose 
stories of their failure mm-hmm. to appear in the Bible for everyone mm-hmm. to, to see. Wouldn't it have been better if he had just put in the Bible people like Daniel and uh, Joseph, and, and Joseph <laughs> you know, of whom nothing mm-hmm. is, is written about that – uh, uh, nothing evil is written right. about. I mean, uh, why uh, is God putting stories like this in the Bible? I, I think to me it would have been discouraging if all the stories in the Bible would have been of characters with perfect lives. I would feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm never going to make it. Yeah. But the fact that I can see normal people that had mistakes, that, that failed, and then they recovered and they stood up and continued, that is re- really reassuring. Because it doesn't matter how, how low you can fall. You can always get up. And that's why you have all those examples in the Bible, like King David, all the things that he did. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. But then he was called a man after God's own heart. And the reason why the Bible says he was called like that, and God says this, is because he's, he, was, he was willing to do God's will. Indeed. Indeed. And, and to me... He was prepared to return and confess his sin. Now, it's interesting. Mm. What we're actually going to find here about Solomon, he's actually made some huge mistakes. He's actually moved into polygamy big time. Uh, and yet uh, what's going to happen is that as he nears the end of his life, we're going to find that he starts to return uh, mm. to, uh, to to God. He confesses his, his sin. And a change actually takes place. But, you know, to me, I, I'm just really interested that, you know, your answer to that question, I believe, is actually so important because... You know, even the New Testament actually picks up uh, this this sort of theme. And uh, Paul in uh, in First Corinthians chapter ten says, "All these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, mm-hmm. as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did." Uh, and in one day, 23,000 fell. You know, you've got this mm-hmm. ex- Paul arguing in the New Testament and saying uh, these historical examples are really important in our understanding mm-hmm. of uh, both biblical history and for our own edification because it actually helps us to understand uh, where people have actually made mistakes and we can avoid it uh, in, in our own lives. Now, yes. you know, to me, this is actually really important, and I, I do want to just touch this, uh, touch on this one. It's mm-hmm. a little bit off the, uh, off what we're talking about today. Um, you know, today we live in an age where, uh, in a past history, if there is imperfections in a, some historical character, then you pull down their, uh, the monument that has actually been made, made mm-hmm. to them. You destroy them. You know, history is something that is virtually, uh, not considered valuable in the contemporary climate. Now, uh, tell us, Ricardo, do you think we've lost something by losing an understanding of history? For sure. Uh, if, if we, if we discard our history, we are, uh, destined to failure in the future. We need to learn from, from the past, from our history. 
Okay. So okay. we don't repeat the same things. You, you know, this is one of the things that I, I find myself is just so important. You know, I'm really disappointed with the, uh, with, with the amount of historical understanding that there is so much, uh, throughout the, uh, certainly, you know, the, the general education system. Uh, because, uh, I know myself, you know, it's when I get into, for example, things like biblical prophecy and, uh, you know, I come to an understanding of, uh, uh, of how history, because history and certainly archaeology back up Mm -hmm. the word of God. If in fact you take away historical understanding, then you actually take away uh, so much, uh, so much of the uh, potential uh, understanding uh, Mm -hmm. of, uh, uh, you know, of, of our young people. And uh, to me, I I certainly encourage people to say, hey, look, please, you know, um, history is something worth digging into. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even, uh, dare I I say it, the history of you know our our immediate forebears. You know, mm. it's so important to know the history yes. of our immediate forebears. Even my own mother and father, grandfather, mm-hmm. grand. You know, they have so much to pass on to teach. Yes, in fact, we can understand when you look at your own family, uh, your genealogy tree. Yeah, uh, you can understand certain aspects of your own behavior. Uh, you know, by studying your your ancestors, Indeed. what they believed, uh, what they suffered from, yeah. things yeah. like that. And, and what's happened, of course, here, you know, King Solomon, does his example justify polygamy? That's what we're talking about. Yes. You know, if I go back to, uh, to, to 1 Kings chapter chapter 11, though, I actually stopped reading at verse, verse 6. And mm-hmm. uh, let me read, let me just keep reading just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 6 says this, Solomon did evil in the sight mm. of the Lord. Now, this is really important. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not fully follow the Lord as his father David had. Mm. Then Solomon built a high place for, and he talks about human sacrifice here, mm. uh, verse 9, so the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice mm. and had commanded concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods uh, and that he should keep what the Lord had commanded. And the Lord had gone against this whole polygamy, the, the, the law of God, the law that he was supposed to be upholding, he actually trashed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as a king, that his influence would have been a lot more exactly, important exactly, than any other exactly, person. Exactly. Does his example justify polygamy? No, because God actually responds to he responds to King uh, to to King Solomon mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and and is called to account. But you know, to me, and I want to. We'll do this after the break. But to me, one of the most beautiful books in the Bible, and it's not read much, very much these days, but is actually the book of uh, Ecclesiastes. Mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes is actually a book that's written by King Solomon, but is written by King Solomon after he comes back to the Lord, Mm -hmm. after his um, time away from Christ, away from the God of heaven. Do you know... uh, Sometimes I actually encourage people to go and read this this particular book because Solomon is reflecting on his own life. I, I, I want us to actually do that uh-huh. uh, when we come back from the break. Okay, sounds good. Dear listeners, let's come to some music. Uh, this is Josh Cunningham with Three Chords. Mm-hmm. 
what they say I know that if I do I'll be following something I can't know Deceitful and untrue I couldn't love you if I tried I couldn't find a way Unless my heart is led by God I'll only go astray If you wanna be one heart, one flesh One instead of two There's gotta be three cords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with The fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you Well God is love He gives to us a priceless gift that's free He gave himself, he gave his all Unconditionally I wanna love you like he does, Lord Give me eyes to see The only way I can is if You live inside of me If we wanna be one heart, one flesh One instead of two There's gotta be three chords woven God and me and you Within us with the fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you Love is kind, love never fails It ain't boastful, proud or rude It bears all things, believes all things Rejoices in the truth Love will never seek her own Love's patient, love endures And if we want love like that It's what we'll have to do If we wanna be one heart, one flesh One instead of two There's gotta be three cords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with Fire that consumes Only then Can we say I love you Instead of two, there's gotta be three chords woven. 
message three chords that was josh cunningham um dear listeners our giveaway for this week is the book called have you ever been lost by chris holland and um this uh, book have you ever been lost is an easy book to read but one with a very powerful message in fact the last paragraph in this book reads like this you may have been away from him and not known it You might be in a church but feel lost. You might have intentionally walked away, or maybe you've even denied him. The promise of Jesus is that he will take you back. Though you've been lost, he will restore you. All of heaven will have a celebration when Jesus ultimately brings us home to be with him, and we are forever safe. The Father will be waiting for you with open arms. Have you ever been lost? by Chris Holland, Speaker, Director at It Is Written Canada. is the perfect gift for that friend facing a big change in life or that family member facing a personal crisis. Uh, dear friends, if you would like a free copy of this book, all you need to do is text us in the code SA143 on 04888-808-11. That is the code SA143, no spaces. SA for South Australia, 143. On the number again, 04888-808-11. And remember, you can also text that number with your questions or comments at any time because we would love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time BQ&A with Pastor Ricardo. My co-host today is Pastor Gary, and he's ministering at Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Adelaide. This week, we're following the theme, Perverse People, Big Questions About Biblical Characters. We're going to see that um, the stories in the Bible about bad people or good people that... Um, committed uh, mistakes or big mistakes can actually teach us a lot of lessons. So um, the big question for today, the one that we're talking about, is King Solomon. Does his example justify polygamy? Is it true, Pastor Gary, that we are justified to uh, commit the same mistakes just because they are mentioned in the Bible? Yeah, I, I think this is something that's really important that we do understand. It's something that we really pick up on. And, you know, when we were reading back there or just a, a few minutes ago from the Book of Kings, uh, it was abundantly obvious that uh, what uh, what occurred in Solomon's life is he started so well. He was running the race. He was uh, a humble man who recognized his need. God gave him some amazing uh, gifts. And as a result, he was able to use those gifts and he... And his his nation was was incredibly uh, blessed, but then in his old age, uh, what the scripture says is that his heart was turned away from mm. uh, away from the the God of heaven. Apparently, uh, apparently, 
he was enticed to go in a in a different direction and that course was the multitude of wives uh, mm. something that god had said thou shalt not do and then uh, of course what we find in the scriptures is that solomon is then um is rebuked by god for moving in this example mm-hmm. in this direction i mean not only for the impact it was going to have on his own life but also for the impact it was going to have on the other lo- on other lives and then he, he Solomon actually writes a book in the Bible reflecting on his experience after he had come back to the uh, to the God of heaven and that book of course is the book Ecclesiastes it's worth reading this particular book but look uh, uh, look Ricardo you're a pastor I'm a pastor in your ministry, have you ever noticed, you know, I mean, people who have, um, you know, maybe they've, you know, they've been, they've grown up as, as believers, you know, at some point in their life, they've, they've moved away, uh, from Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know, have you noticed how that impacts both them and often their families in a negative manner? Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that? Yes, it has an impact for sure. It has? Yeah. Yes, it discourages. It, 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 it discourages. It, it, you know, one of the things that I, I suppose that I'm just so conscious of is that I, I well remember one of, um, uh, one of the, the churches I ministered to. Mm-hmm. There was a, um, there was, uh, we had a, a number of family breakups in, on one particular year. Mm-hmm. It was a fairly large church and we actually had about, uh, about six, uh, families that actually um, broke up that, that particular year. And you know, the thing that really stood out to me was the the heart, the the pain and the suffering that entire families were going through. Uh, you know, I, I spent a good portion of that year just ministering to about six families because every one of them there was uh, two people in the in the relationship, uh, but then they had uh, they had children, uh, they had extended family, and. All of all of these individuals were impacted by the decisions of a number of people to do that which God yes. said was unhealthy mm. and sinful in their uh, in their life. Uh, you yeah. know, to me, as I look at that, I turn around and say, "Hey, it's so easy to fob it off and simply say, hey, look, you know, it is my right uh, to do what it is.'" That I, uh, what I choose to do. And you know, the day and age in which we're living now, uh, my right seems to gazump all other arguments. Uh, but you know, the thing that I'm just so conscious of is that, uh, we, we also have to recognize that my decisions do actually impact on mm-hmm. other people. They impact on, you know, my spouse, they impact on my well. children, mm. grandparents. You know, the the circle just gets larger and larger, mm. and the pain and the heart. This is what King Solomon forced on his kingdom because he was, mm. of course, right at the very top. He was yes. at the apex, mm-hmm. a, uh, the apex of the entire on uh, the entire system. What he did was establish something that. If the, if this, if the king, if this is okay for the king, then it must also mm. be okay for, uh, for me exactly. in my relationship. So all the eyes were on him. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. But you know, the really interesting thing about, Sto- about Solomon's uh, situation is that, uh, what actually occurred was that, uh, um, that, uh, 
In his old age again, he finally came back to Christ. He came back to the God of heaven. And uh, what we actually find is the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, he writes this as his personal experience. It is really worth uh, worth reading. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12 says this, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I set my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven, the burdensome task. Task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. I communed with my heart, saying, Look, I've attained greatness. I've gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and madness and folly. I perceived that this also was a grasping for the wind. I attempted to understand madness and folly, is what mm. he said. Well, how did he actually do that? Well, actually, there's a number of um, 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 realities that he, he actually brings brings to uh, to his hearers. Now, in chapter 2, he, he digs in and he, he shares this. I had said in my heart, come now, I will test mirth. Therefore, I'm going to enjoy pleasure. But I found that this also was vanity. Mm-hmm. Then I made great works. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools. I made myself swimming pools uh, with which to water the growing trees uh, of the grove. I acquired male and female servants. I had uh, servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of uh, provinces and I acquired male and female singers and the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. You know, you know this almost sounds like the um, secular consumeristic world mm, like that we're living was, in. Nothing was lacking according to you know, today's view perhaps yeah yeah and, and to me that's the thing that really stands out here that what we've actually got is uh, Solomon is describing the secular world what's the first thing that he actually tests well he tests this thing uh, that we would call the the secular world he goes and he says I'm going to ignore God uh, you know I've got all these wine women and and, and song uh, I have got uh, all this uh, all this that's been given uh, been given to me and, and you know as I look at this uh, this story and we don't have time to go into it today he goes and he looks at so many other uh, aspects uh, he looks at um, um, he looks at digs into contemporary culture he, he looks in uh, looks at uh, hard work and the importance of hard work but how he found that ultimately valueless mm-hmm. you know I, I love the way that this particular book concludes because the last two verses of uh, of this entire book uh, actually say something that I think is just so uh, so remarkable uh, he he concludes just just in two verses mm-hmm. he says let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter mm-hmm. fear god and keep his commandments for this uh, is the whole duty of man for god will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing whether good wow. or evil after he has come to god 
gone away from God, mm. come back to God. He studies all of these various things that that he found valuable when he was away from God. He finally comes back and says, hey, Interesting. it's not the way to go. Definitely. He learned the lesson. He did. He did. So we better learn from his mistakes yeah. rather than repeating them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent, Pastor Gary. Thank you so much. It looks like our time's up for today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all your examples, all your stories that you've given us in the Bible. Some of them are good examples, some of them are bad examples. But as we think of you as our Father, we as parents also tell our children uh, the good things that we've done and also the bad things that we've done so they learn from our mistakes. Lord, uh, we believe that you've also uh, left us all these stories, these bad um um, examples of people in the Bible for us to learn the lesson so we don't repeat the same things. Lord, I pray that you may help us uh, follow these good examples and not to do the bad ones so that we learn from them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, this is Pastor Ricardo, and our co-host today was Pastor Gary. Thanks so much for joining us on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow as we explore the answer to the big question, Samson. Was Samson an example of toxic masculinity? Until then, remember that the Bible says, Let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. 1 Corinthians 7.2 May God bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.